Well, if you've got your Bibles this morning, which I pray you do, or your devices, and uh, if you're those young millennial type people, <laughs> any Gen Zers here? Yeah, it sounds like weird, doesn't it? Like, you know, Gen Xers? Ah, there's a few. Who, who, who knows what you are? Who's not quite sure? <laughs> who cares? Fantastic. Hey, um, we're in our second week um, of our kind of vision series where we're just wanting to unpack. And our theme for those that may be visiting or new today for this year is Arise and Build. It's a posture of our hearts. And so want to encourage you, if you missed last week's message, to have a listen to it on Spotify. But today I want to um, open up the Word of God. And today we want to be talking about being one, the becoming you. Be one, find one, make one, all right? So the next three weeks, Graham and Ali Forster, next week Graham's going to be speaking about uh, finding one, building connections, building relationships in our life, because it's exactly what we need to be out there in the marketplace. Today is a rally day. It's a day where we come to the Word of God, we come and worship, but we get ready for what is ahead of us in the coming week, amen, that God wants us to go out into the world and bring the great message of God, amen. So next week, we're going to be looking at relationships, and then the third week, uh, we're going to be talking about pathways and creating communities where we can learn how to live with one another, to grow as disciples, and see our lives change. But today, it's about God building us, becoming a disciple, Philippians 1.6 says this, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, let's read this together. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. How do we know that's a great promise of God? And I'm glad about that because I know some days I think it's pretty, you know, crazy. I'm thinking, how is this ever going to work? But God is faithful to our lives. Amen. The God who has begun a work in you, whenever that began, maybe it's this week, maybe it's even today. But for some of you, it may be many, many years ago. Wherever that day was, God came into our life and changed our life forever. And he's never stopped walking with us as a faithful God. Amen. He has never stopped being faithful to us. And so he who began that good work is faithful to complete it. We are a becoming person that God has created us to be. He's called us out of the darkness, the scripture says, and he's made us aware. He's put us, placed us in his kingdom of light. You know, he's transformed us from being under the control of the world, being in a family in the kingdom of God. Amen. Ephesians 1 says that he had wanted us before the creation of the world. He chose us, he adopted us, and he redeemed us. He made us to stand right before God. Amen. And that's a great confidence. Every single day when we wake up, it's not about our behavior or our character. It's about God's character and about God's faithfulness. Amen. That we have been saved by grace. 
Nothing that we can do, nothing that we have purchased, nothing that we have earned. This is about Father God's goodness that he's shone into your heart. He who began that good work is faithful to complete it. We're in the process of being under construction. We are not all that we're going to become, but we're on the journey of becoming something more than where we started from. Amen. And Romans 8.29 says this, For those whom God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed. Everyone say the word conformed. Into the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and many sisters. The NLT just simply says this, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Amen. When you turn to somebody and say, hey, you're becoming more like Jesus every day. (laughs) Maybe turn to the other one and say, you need to become like Jesus more like every day. (laughs) Husbands and wives. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm just glad that God is faithful, amen? He's faithful. So, Lord, as we come around your word today, Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you if you've got a plan for us. And, Lord, you find us exactly where we are. And you say these words, come follow me into this wonderful life. So, God, we thank you for it today. Just let it be spoken as you want it spoken in Jesus' name. And we all said. Mark John Comer says three things the Christian life is all about is number one, that we are to be with him, we are to become like him, and we are to do the things that Jesus did. It's nice when it gets simple, right? And God wants it simple in our lives. So often we try to complicate the whole thing, and God just wants to strip it back, and he wants to bring it all the way back, and he just says, hey, I want you to be with me. I want you to become like me. And I want you to do the things that I did. Amen. And that's so cool. He who began a good work in us is faithful to complete it. The problem with most, the, our problem most of the time is time. And we want it instant, we want it quick, and we want it all now but it's not the way that God builds. And it's important for us to understand how God builds our lives, how God builds our marriages, how God builds our businesses, our our finances. Like, it'd be great, you know, if it all happened so quick, but it never does, does it? Life is not like that. And so it's wrong for us to think the way that the world thinks. It's wrong for us to kind of adopt the world's mentality of the way that we assume it should be. God's not like that. God's a generational God. He's an eternal God. He is a God with the very beginning to the very end. He who began the work in us is faithful to complete it. From infancy to adolescent to young adult to maturity. It's the process of how God Builds. Ephesians, turn with me there, chapter 3, verses 14 through to 21. We're being changed. We're being conformed. We're being shaped into knowing 
who Christ is in us and we, who we are in him so that we can reflect him in the world that we live. Wherever you live, whatever the suburb, whatever the neighbor, whatever the community, whatever the workplace, whatever the marketplace that you're in, God is with you. He wants you to know to become like him and he wants you to do the things that he did wherever we are. And so often we, we, we abdicate those responsibilities. We detach ourselves from what it is to be a disciple in the world, what it is to live as Christians in the world. But we've got to understand that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We carry the living God on the inside of us. And God wants to use us in a very wonderful way to display and to reflect that very truth. Amen. This was Paul's words to us. For this very reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And his prayer, I don't know what it says in your Bible. My Bible, it says Paul's prayer for spiritual growth. It's a light little reminder. He's praying this prayer for the believers. He's praying this very prayer for the people that God called and saved out of darkness and put into the kingdom of light. And he's saying this because he wants us to understand the gravity the potential, the magnitude of the God that lives in us and whose family we're being saved into. And he says this, he says, I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in, rooted and grounded in, not performance, not good behavior, not anything else that we can try and buy our way into the king. but God wants us to be founded in love. Because love is the motivation of God's kingdom. It's the goodness of God that leads us into a changed life. You know, it's not a Father God waving his finger at you, telling you how much you need to change. But it's the kindness of his words that call us out of the muck of the world. It's the kindness of God's words that bring us out of the brokenness of life situations. It's the kindness of God's words that comes and meets our stubborn hearts when we've been around the same mountain time and time and time and time again. And he just simply says, are you ready yet? Haven't you seen this track enough? His goodness wants to bring us into the greater things of God. And Paul's prayer that we be grounded and established in love, that we may be able to comprehend with all of the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height of who this God is. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge so that we may be filled with all of the fullness of God. Do you think the woman caught in adultery knew she did the wrong thing? But it was the kindness of God's words. 
Amen. How many are glad that he speaks kind words to our troubled souls? Sin is nothing new. It's been around forever. And its impact is just the same. It destructs. It destroys. It distorts. It deceives. It brings disempowerment to our lives. Because we open them up in our carnal nature and we want to have that hit or we want to go down that path or we want an easy way and God just simply says, it's not the way I do it. I began something in you and I'm going to cause you to walk in the fullness of my word that is in you. Amen. Paul goes on, he says, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above everything we could ever think, power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church of Jesus Christ to all generations forever and ever. Number one, all change and spiritual formation comes from a personal revelation of who he is. I don't know about you and your journey, but I didn't really understand the mercy of God until I needed it. Amen. Have you ever done something that you kind of wish you could take back time? Have you ever said something? Have you ever acted in a way? Have you ever kind of had a season in your life that you just go, oh my goodness me, if I could only take that back. But you see, God has got an answer for every season and every circumstance and every situation. But change and spiritual formation in us comes from that revelation of who Christ is. As he looked down at the woman who they were about to stone, calling for justice, justice, justice. And he looked at her and he looked at them and he picked up and he just said this, he who was without sin, come, you cast the first stone. Surprisingly, they all ran away. <laughs> But you know what? That day changed her life forever. Because the law said she was guilty of death. But grace came and said, Hey, don't live that way any longer. Let there be a change. Something changed in her heart. You know, Jesus said the same things to the disciples when he was asking them in Caesarea Philippi, Who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah. You know, one of the prophets, and he said to Peter, he said to the disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter put up his hand and said, you are, you are the Christ, the son of the most high God. And Jesus looked at his eyes and he said to Peter, he said, Peter, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You know, the greatest change moments and factors in our life is when we look at the eyes and hear the words of Jesus speaking to us that change us the most. It's not the preacher, it's not the sermon, it's not anything else, but there's an inner knowing, a spirit of God that speaks right into the very circumstance of our hearts. Because he says, you know, on that revelation of who I am in you, of my words, of my eyes, of my tenderness, of my character, of my word, that is what's going to change you. It's what's going to build your marriage. It's what's going to build your finances. It's what's going to make you feel different. 
maybe from a life of trauma or shame or things that happened to you in your past. It's the thing that's going to set you free once and for all. That you don't have to have the shame garments. You don't have to have the grave clothes. You don't have to have this memory just speaking into your future all the time because there's a word that's become greater. Spiritual formation. We're being changed into the image of Christ because we are becoming the person that he's always wanted us to be. And he goes, he says, he says I pray that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory. That you would be strengthened from the inside out. How many know it's from the inside that we need God's strength? It's God doesn't build from the externals. He comes to the internal. And he gets our internal world in order. He gets our internal world in shape. He gets our thinking right. He gets our heart clean. He gets the inner workings of our inner man free so that we can live from a place and a position of God ruling and reigning as our Lord on the inside. Amen. That Christ will dwell in your hearts, that we'd be established. His word is his seed. The second thing is this. The seed is good, but the potential of the seed is determined by the condition of the soil. James chapter 1. This year we're going to change. With This year we want to build our lives. This year God is going to do many great things, but this is, this is where it all comes back to, right? This is where it all comes back to the issue of our heart, the condition of our soil, James 1.21 says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word, that, uh, the word planted in you which can save you. Amen? It says, Do not merely be listeners of the word, deceiving yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do it is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror, but after looking at himself, he goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks continuously, intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. How many want the blessing? Well, here's the process. We've got to keep looking and hearing the word of God. We've got to keep coming and reminding ourselves when we look in the mirror until we keep seeing Jesus in our attitude and Jesus in our lives and Jesus in our actions and Jesus in our words. When we keep looking at the word of God and we allow it to kind of take root on the inside. This is not just a Sunday thing. This is not just an every now thing. This is an every day, every moment thing where God is just wanting to speak to us and for us to receive him. Amen. It says the word of God can save you, speak to you, heal you, restore you, inform you, correct you, direct you, and transform you. He says here, remove all the barriers that can stop the word having its full effect in our hearts and receive the word that is to be implanted into our hearts. In other words, dug deep into the soil of our hearts so it has its full effect. I don't know about you, but I reckon it would be a real rip-off if we get to the other end of our life and we look back and we go, could have, should have, if only. 
God doesn't want those regrets. He wants us to experience the fullness of his word at work in us. Amen. And this is how God does it. He spoke a parable in Matthew 13 and he says this, Later that same day Jesus left the house and sat beside a lake and a large crowd gathered around him and he got into a boat and he sat there and he taught as the people stood on the shore. And he told many stories in, uh, in the form of parables and this was one of them. I mean, I love a good story. I love a good joke teller. I'm useless. It's like... I get the, no, it's just not going to happen. But that's a gift. It's an incredible gift. But how many know stories are about painting pictures? And pictures and illustrations are the language of the Spirit. And God wants to tell us parables. He wants us to read Scripture to see the stories, to apply the principles of how God works. And he says this, a farmer, he said, a farmer went out one day to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, he said, some seeds fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly, but because the soil was shallow, the plants soon wilted under the hot sun and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. He says, other seeds fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And yet still other seed fell on the fertile soil. And they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much that had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Can I say as your pastor, as a friend, maybe a new friend today, hey, if you've got ears, listen. If you've got ears, Jesus was saying, hear this from the spirit of your heart. You know, this is something that's going to help your life. This is something that's going to build your marriage. This is something that is going to make a difference in your world. If we take hold of the words that Jesus is speaking, whose heart is open, whose heart is hungry, whose heart is ready to respond. Here's the question that we've got to ask ourselves today. What's the condition of my heart? What's the condition? I mean, you know this, I've lived a life of faith for... I don't know, a few years now, 30 plus, 35 plus, you think, where did those years go? But it's still a condition of my heart. I get to be a pastor, it's a great privilege, but I'm just like you. You wouldn't really know it, would you? But it, I am. Ask my wife. Good days, bad days, and real ugly days, you know? And um, just the same. Got to get up in the morning, got to make the same choices that you have to make. Friends, it's still the same thing that in life, life comes and happens to us all and we don't get to understand how it's going to work out. But we do understand who we've got to trust to hold our hearts and hold our lives. But it's the same thing. It's the condition of my heart. At 53, you wouldn't recognize me, would you? If you think I'm much younger than that, I know it's an illusion. In my head, I'm much, much younger but I like an afternoon sleep, which tells me I'm not that young. <laughs> Only on Sundays. However, here's the thing, right? Here's the thing. It's still the same. I've got to still deal with my heart. I've got to still check the soil of my soul. They've still got to understand that just like you and me, we've got to choose what kind of soil we have on the inside of us. Because I want the Word of God to have full effect. But you know what? I've got to make sure of the condition of my heart. 
Seeds need the soil to be conditioned. And it's a really important thing that this year you might want the best year that you're ever going to have. Well, I want to tell you this. It's going to be determined by how you deal with the soil of your heart and what you do with the Word of God. You might just come on in and get a checkup and a a top-up and a pump-up every now and again, and that's it. Well, I want to tell you this. That's not going to be suffice because God wants you to walk in the fullness of His plan. God is faithful. And he's wanting to meet you every day so that the seed can go deeper into the soil of our souls. So that it can have its full work in our marriages, in our attitudes, in our thinking, in our mindsets. God wants his word deeper in us. The wayside, the path, as he scattered them across his fields, he said, some seed fell on the footpath and the birds came and ate them. All of us have a story And your story becomes your pathway. Maybe your pain, your hardness. The hardness of our heart is maybe connected to the story or our background or our upbringing, the hurt or the trauma that we've experienced. I hate to say it, but I know that there's people get hurt with churches. It's terrible. It's crazy. But I've been hurt. You've been hurt. We've all been hurt, but we've got to make sure that we don't hurt intentionally we we do things right and honorably and walk in a circumspectful way because we reflect god and i hate it how people get hurt and abused or mistreated or whatever that is and it what it does it drives a wedge between them and god because they blame the god at the end and the church and they'll just go away well i just love jesus i'm going to do loving jesus at home i don't need the church we can't love god and not love his church i tried that one didn't work. I had church and God like this. And I had to understand that they're two different things. We're his body in the earth, made up of fallible human beings. And every single day, there might be another story or another scandal or another something that happens somewhere that gives the church a nice big punch in the gut and gives the body a whack. But he's coming back for a bride. He's coming back for a, a partner, a wife who is spotless without wrinkle. He's coming back. He's purifying his people. Amen. It's our time to draw near, to step up, to clean house, to actually understand that the things that are secret in our lives will come out. So best you shine the light on them quick. Best you get the word of God in them quick. Best you understand that this is God is wanting to have the full effect of his word. But the wayside, the path, things harden us. When we make decisions and refuse to forgive or we refuse to move forward or we we build a wall, we create a hard path. We actually lock God out and we stay abused and we stay rejected and we stay abandoned. We've all got pain. But when Jesus comes with seed, this is the thing we've got to understand. Jesus, you know, he says he, he, takes, he, he takes the ground and he scatters it. And, you know, when we look around, there's so much pain. There's so much harm and hurt and all of these things. But if we don't deal with the condition of the soil of our heart, the seed gets taken real quick. Gone. Stony places. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. 
It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. You know, it says when they heard the word, they received it. They were happy. There was a wow. There was an excitement. There was an instant hit. But because the soil was shallow, as it became a little bit deeper, it became rockier. The moment things get hard, the Bible says. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Let me know this. Life gets hard sometimes. If you haven't had hardness in your life, come up, I'll pray for you. <laughs> Unexpected crises. Seasons in life that we never asked for, but we find ourselves in. Situations where we think it's amazing until it's a catastrophe. Hard places. We give up. I don't know if you've ever known a pregnant woman. Never known. It's not a problem. The seed comes and the egg gets fertilized and this little baby begins. But how many know there's not an instant child? It's a process of time. And that process of time is amazing and wonderful and an incredible journey. But you know what? Six months in, seven months in, eight months in, that mother's getting ready to get rid of this kid. But you just can't stop the process. There's a time appointed in God. Amen? Life's going to get hard, but you just can't throw the toys out of the cot. We've got to understand that God plays a long game. This is about generational. This is about, you know, not, this is not just about an instant up one day and we're happy. This is about being faithful to the seed and the soil that's being planted. That we understand this farmer went out one day. He went out thinking that he was going to reap a harvest. He was planning on a harvest. He was planning on a great reward. But you know what? Some of the, fee, the seed fell on different parts of the soil. Some was really hard. Others was stony. And then it goes on and it talks about this other thing, you know, where it, where it progresses. But I want to talk to you about the stones for a minute. What stones have you got lurking in your heart? You know, and the thing is, is that this is that the principle of the word when applied to our lives takes time to transform the situation. Sorry, Lyndall. <laughs> Lyndon, sorry. Um, you know, when the word of God is planted, you know, it's not ever instant. It's not just instant in our lives. But we commit to the process. We commit to the journey. Are you glad God's not given up on you yet? Amen. We're in the process. If it's the same with the word of God, we've got to understand that the word of God planted it's going to take time in our hearts to bring about the transformation, to bring about the fulfillment of what that word has been sown to do. Amen. And so we see this, that sometimes the, the, the seed comes and it springs up. We get excited. But then all of a sudden it hits the harder things, the rocky places, the things that have been lurking just beneath the soil. And I want to read you through some of these things, whether it be judgment or pride or anger. Anger in our world that is 
crazy, going crazy because of the internal frustration and it comes out with violence. How many know it's a plight on our society? It's a sad situation that we find ourselves with domestic violence and all of the things that happen. Sinful things in our heart, criticisms that we speak, the unwillingness to forgive, the resistance to move forward, the residual anger or resentment or bitterness from seasons past. These are the stones that we've got to remove. If the word is not implanted into our hearts, we will never get the result of God's word working. Amen. I said here, let's not be superficial Christians, but we need to get the word deep into our hearts. We need to become and want to become mature in our faith. We can't blame personality. We can't refuse to take responsibility. We can't become stubborn or prideful because we are made in the image and the likeness of him. And because we've got Christ in us, he calls that stuff out. And he says, it's time to grow up. It's time to mature. It's time to allow my word to work in you. The third one was about seed among thorns. question is, are you stony or are you thorny? <laughs> thorns are water from the outside. The voices, the worldviews, the world's value system, the behaviors, the actions, and the temptations. And it says in Matthew 13, 7, it says, Others fell among the thorns which grew up and choked out the plant. In 22, it says, Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The NLT says it like this. He says, All too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. Wow. Let's deal with the thorns. Let's not be distracted. Let's not be allured. Let's not be taken out of what God has got for us. Amen. How we know that the weeds always grow quicker? <laughs> Mongrels, you know. You see all these dead spots. Yep, that's what we do. We round them up, you know. But you know what? Two months' time, they'll be back again. And we'll be out there again, pulling them out. The thorns. The voices. He hears the word, but the deceitfulness of what the world of riches brings the word to nothing. You know, what a shame. It bears no fruit. It's hard for the seed, the word of God, to take root because all of a sudden it becomes lifeless because everything we're worried about, the temporal and not the eternal. But seeds on good ground produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. And that's what we want, right? The seed falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. It's the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times of whatever was sown. We take that word and we allow it to go deep into our hearts and we understand the process that God works. Number three is this, is the condition of our heart is the key to our life's transformation. And Proverbs 4.13 just simply says this, to guard your heart above all else, for everything that you do comes from it. The NLT says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. 
The NASB says, watch over your heart with all diligence, because from it flow the springs of life. And the New King James says this, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues. You know what? It's important for us to understand that it's what we allow our heart, we, what we do with our heart is the all-important key to seeing our lives transformed. Amen. And so God just simply says this, is that it's a matter of our, it's a responsibility of us. The condition of the soil of your heart is what will determine the transformation of your life. You know, we can get a one-hit wonder with a prayer, a word of encouragement, a prophecy. But how many know you've got to go out of the building or out of that circumstance and situation and live it out? And that's really where God is saying, hey, I want you to understand. I want you to be with me. I want you to, you know, to, to um, what's the next one? Be like me. And I want you to do the things that I do. It's in the everyday when we step out of the, a meeting like this and into the marriage at home. Or when we go and we, you know, we're preparing for work. Or when we're in those quiet moments when all the voices begin to speak. And God just simply wants us to not be distracted. You know, not have the stony heart that can't receive his word. Not, not have the hardened heart because we're not prepared to let go of the past and the things that have been there. But, you know, we're, we're not allured and, and so full of all of this world that it brings his word to nothing. But we just say, God, here's my heart again. Lord, rip it up. I don't know if you've ever been on a, a tractor in a paddock plowing. It's great fun. And you put the plow down and you just rip up the soil, you know. And you look back and it's, it's a good feeling. Sometimes we need that. We need to get the stones up. We need to get the soil retended. We need to come back and say, God, help me. Let me not, don't, don't let me stay, you know, not in that place where God, your seed won't have its full effect. And number four, Shane, if you'd like to strum your instrument. God working through us is conditional to the amount that we allow God working in us. You know, his word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Isaiah says that the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Psalm 99 says, how can a person stay on the path of purity? You know, we're seeing society self-destruct, but, you know, look at what is being fed into the minds of our young people. Ideology, imagery. You know what I mean? Once upon a time, we used to have to Buy an adult magazine, you had to be 18, and you used to have to go to the counter and buy it. Now, kids just got to flick on their parents' cell phone and start scrolling. How many know that the enemy has a plan to destruct the lives of our society? But God has one to build them up. For the word of God is breathed. Profitable for teaching, correcting, training in righteousness, rebuking, so that every servant of God may be equipped for every good work. 
Matthew 7, 24, whoever hears these words and puts them into practice is like a wise person who builds his house upon the rock. Proverbs 30, verse 5, for every word of God is flawless and he is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Proverbs 2, 6, for the word the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 4.20, My child, be attentive to my words and incline your ears to my sayings and let them not escape from your sight, but keep them within your heart. There's a word for every circumstance, every situation, every aspect of our life. And God is wanting to build us up in the word of God. The becoming you and the becoming me is about the word of God being planted deep within the soil of our heart. It's about you and I being established, not in religion, not in I should go to church because that's what Christians do and I should be there. No, God wants you in deep relationship with him. That you understand when you're not here, there's a part of the body missing. Because we don't come to get, we come to give. We come to celebrate. We come to sit under the word of God. We come to build our lives up because we're facing hell during the week. Ephesians says this now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that works in us. Who here this week is going to go and empty Redlands Hospital of every sick person? Wouldn't that be cool? It's happened before. John G. Lake used to walk into hospitals. The FBI, CIA, you name it, everybody wanted to find out what was going on with that guy. How can he do that? Read some of the Welsh revivalists. Before they even walked into towns, people would be falling out under the conviction power of the Holy Spirit. Before the ministers even got there to preach. Not by might, not by power, but by my... I reckon Brisbane needs some of that. According to the power that works in us. To him who is able to do it. It's God's doing. And our part is work in the soil of our heart so that the Word of God can have its full effect, 30, 60, 100-fold. Father, come today and reveal yourself to us. It's not our smartness, it's not our doing, but it's your doing. And I thank you, Father, that you love every single one and you see every single one and you've got a plan for every single one. And so God, today, Lord, let that plan be outworked. We ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen.